Hey family, welcome to the Kinship Collective Podcast. I am Mark, the host, and we are ending otherness. Welcome to a conversation that cultivates kinship through storytelling, scripture, and inspires service. We believe that as we share our stories together, we get connected and we build empathy for one another that creates solidarity. We believe as we reimagine scripture and the trajectory of scripture, that it gives us this base and inspiration for love and good news. And we believe that all that together inspires us to care for others around us, especially those most in need. Welcome, welcome to the conversation. Before we get into the conversation, again, we want to pitch and to share with you about our cohorts. We have seen so much beauty and community flourish and spur up and come out of our cohort spaces. These are spaces that are curated to be safe and courageously curious spaces where people from different walks of life and different ages and different faith backgrounds and uh, different trajectories can come and talk about faith and specifically can talk about uh, in in our reimagined cohort we talk about the christian faith and that the trajectory where it came from the jewish roots of it and how we can think a little bit differently about the old testament we also have our biblical justice and race cohort where we think about think theologically about the underpinnings of justice the ideas of justice where that comes from and how we get after that as well as race if either of these spaces and ideas inspire you or trigger uh, curiosity or spark, I'm sorry, spark curiosity. <laughs> I hope you're not triggered by those ideas. Reach out to us. We would love to have a conversation about what that could look like to facilitate conversations or a group of people from your community around those ideas, biblical justice and race and reimagining scripture. This week, we will continue our four-part series on change entitled how can i change and this week we will think about the second step in that change framework in moving towards change and first i'll share about one of the things that spurs me on towards that second element and for me, I can already feel my heart start to race a little, um, my emotion shift, tension in my back, kind of in between my shoulder blade and my back, even at the idea of what takes me to that second stage. And for me, that is conflict with my main squeeze baby, my partner, man. When we are in conflict, for me, oh, I can't stand it. It's so frustrating. It's so disorienting. But that conflict spurs on that desire, that want that we talked about in week one, in session one of how can I change? The first step is desire. And for me, one of the things that 
spurs me on to change with my partnership to build a better relationship. The thing that provokes desire is that sometimes is that conflict. And when I'm in conflict, it pushes me to do the second step, which is education. How do I gain an understanding? So when I get into this conflict with my partner, it is how do I gain an understanding? What happened here? How did I get here? Why do I get here so often? Why have it, why has it taken so much to get there or to grow past this belief or that belief or this way of being even more importantly? So the second step in change and how can I change is education. The ways that I educate myself, I become aware of what's contributed to getting me here, what's made me this way. Understanding. And for me personally, that can be intellectual. It means sitting with myself and coming to insight about myself, about why that thing made me feel that way. There's education and awareness that comes from within. And I think we're all built differently and we all learn differently. A couple of things I think uh, that are really important for learning and education. I'm going to start with the most important. And I'm going to say embodied. This is more wisdom. This is when the ideas move from our head to our heart. This is where our disposition changes and we become, this is embodied education, embodied wisdom. This is when I can trust that small and, 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 and steady voice, that understanding from within. One of the ways that we, we learn that is from trial and error. That's just continuing to be about it. That's continuing to come back to the table. It's continuing to grow. That's evidence of having been on the journey in an intentional way. We can be in conflict. We can have that desire. We can be in disoriented spaces. We can sense the incongruence that we talked about for a long time. It is the intentional pursuit of education that leads us toward that embodied wisdom. I think the second, one of the second ways that we learn is relational. Man, it's people around us sharing different perspectives from us. So in my partnership, this is the most intimate relationship that I live in. And it is so important to me to understand how Karen sees things, how she's experiencing things. And it's even more important for me to respond to that with action. But it's that relationship that guides how I see things. That relationship educates me on how I spend time and money and energy and effort and intentionality. That relationship changes me and it teaches me and it educates me. There's practical education, the ways that we read books and learning new information. 
we can see something the same way for so long and new information changes. When we think about changing theologically, I think about the movie 1946 and that project, the entire project based on how did the word homosexual get interpreted into scripture? Well, even the, the, some of the main interpreters on that project for the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, this is the first time that it gets put into print, happens in 1952 is when the version comes out, but the, the translation happens in 1946. And that moment created so much tension and so much othering. Right, But that is literally learning about that moment and how that word got there and that the fact that some of the main interpreters on the project would say, yeah, we got that wrong. But the publishing has already been out there and our contract means that thing can't get changed for 50 years, 20 years, 10 years. Learning about that can help us change. It helps us to adapt, right? But that's just the practical education of new information changing how we see and how we understand God. Uh, there's so much to be said here, especially around our theology and our understandings of God. What it looks like to educate ourselves. And the, the, the first thing that comes to mind in this moment is whose voices are we listening to? Part of the education and relationality of education is whose voices are shaping the ways that we see. Part of education is having a diversity of voices around us. And I think theologically, much of our understandings of scripture and understandings of God have come from, I mean, cisgendered, heteronormative, predominantly white and powerful and educated men. Part of education for change is learning the understandings of God that come from our sisters, that come from black and brown bodies that are farthest from power. How are they experiencing? How are we experiencing God? How are we making meaning and understanding of God? So part of education is the diversity of voices there. And when I say that, again, back to relationality and learning and education, for me, what we, what we hear a lot of times is, okay, we want to get educated on something and when we, when we bring up the topic of diversity, it is, you know, find a friend that doesn't look like you and have a, a really difficult conversation with them. Maybe not difficult for you as you listen, uh, difficult as we put the pressure and the responsibility of our own education on their shoulders and expect them to teach us the things that we need to know. I will say here, there's so many voices out there. There are so many. I'm thinking of um, bell hooks. I'm thinking of... Kat Armas, who we've talked to before, a Latina sister with incredible thoughts, uh, Abuelita Faith, and she has a devotional coming out this fall. I'm thinking of just the, the different, I think of Christina Cleveland, God is a black woman. 
I'm thinking of the womanist tradition. I'm thinking of liberation theology. Um, all these names swirling in my head. I'm thinking of James Cone. But there's stuff out there to educate ourselves, to have a different perspective specifically on scripture, specifically on who God is and what that means for us. I think pivoting here, another part of education. So we're thinking about how do I educate myself on different voices and different interpretations for scripture that can help me change theologically. Another part of that internal change is self-awareness. It's self-education. Another tool for that is therapy. <laughs> How do I become more aware of me? How do I become more aware of the personas that I've put on, that I've the ways I've adapted to my story, the ways that I've found survival and tried to, I, I want to say thrive, but that's not even right. It's not quite flourishing. It's the ways we've adapted to childhood, things that we needed to do, people we needed to become to survive, a family of origin. I think that also applies to especially faith spaces where so much identity is wrapped in. Therapy can help us to become self-aware of the ways that we had to become to exist in those spaces. All of this speaking to how education becomes a really important part of how we can change theologically. Back to self-awareness and that journey, not just the education of being exposed to new ideas from different perspectives and diverse voices, and this self-awareness from therapy, I believe a, a guiding question <laughs> can be, how did that understanding of God serve me? Did that make the world a more palatable, manageable place? Did that give me security? It made me feel like one of the chosen few. It made me feel like I was safe. It made me feel like my trajectory was going. Uh, and uh, it made me feel like God had a plan for all of the pain and suffering that I was experiencing. It made me feel like God had a plan and God was going to use that. And that was for my good. How? Did that belief? So a part of education, a part of that process, I think a, a journal, an internal kind of question to meditate on could be, how did that understanding of God serve you? How did it serve you? Because becoming aware of that helps us to navigate some of like, it helps us understand some of the why of that, but it also helps us to understand like the motive does that still serve me? Did that ever really serve me? But that's a part of the education. And it reminds me of the question from last week, right? Kind of a blend of that question. The question from last week was, is that good news to everyone? And so now in, in the context of education for this week, I think about well, how did that belief serve me? This is self-education. And I, I'm thinking again back to the other question. How does, does that belief serve everyone? And maybe those questions can guide the education process, the, the voices we're looking to to answer that question. But as we're on that 
change trajectory and on that pathway towards theological change, education is this incredible learning space, self-education and self-awareness, as well as education of theological history. Where did this belief come from? Who does this belief benefit? It helps us to see things from different angles. And now we have that, the motivation of desire that moves us towards education and the education that invites us into new ways of doing things. And we come back next week, we will talk about the next step in that change framework. How can I change theologically? For now, know that you are good, you are loved, and we are family. And the extra credit, I think, thought for as you think about therapy and you become self-aware of some of the personas and the ways that your personality has adapted to communities of faith or your family of origin, know that there is grace, like be tender towards yourself. Know that you are God's beloved child. You warm God's heart. You are good. Much love, family. We'll talk to you next week.